Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, Glendalee Allen Vossler will chat with the Executive Vice President of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. Up first in today's country comment, we'll be joined by Canola Council of Canada President Jim Everson. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Canola Council of Canada President Jim Everson to talk about an announcement made just before Christmas. So what we did was we announced that uh, we have some uh, federal investment into the canola industry and we're thankful for the for Agriculture Canada's support for market access for the Canola Council. So uh, Government of Canada has a program called Agri-Marketing which is designed to support organizations like ours in doing work on market access and market promotion globally. Just fill us in on, on the dollar amounts there. So it's $1.8 million over two years from the Government of Canada, and then it gets matched um, by the industry. So the Canola Council matches that with resources that you know come to the Canola Council from producers, canola farmers across Western Canada, and also the industry. So they, they share in that, and so the whole budget comes to $3.6 million that, that we have at the Canola Council in order to do market access work and market promotion work over the next two years. Talk a little bit more about um, how that money will be used. Well, you know, we export 90% of what we grow when it comes to the canola industry in Canada, so global markets are critical for us. And as you know, you know, it's a pretty protectionist environment out there when it comes to agricultural trade. We, you know, we have an ongoing issue with China, of course, with two of our country, companies um, not able to export uh, seed to China. We have multiple other issues that come up during the year. And so we really focus on, um, Corey, on um, proactive market access work. So we engage with um, our customers in different key countries, key markets, and we engage directly with the governments and, and sometimes certainly through with support of the Market Access Secretariat and CFIA and so on in government where we work with them to be sure that, you know, we're not surprised by actions that other governments take that might impact on the canola trade, and that we try to resolve issues as quickly as possible as we see them coming. And, uh, Jim, just uh, tell us a little bit about the Keep It Coming 2025 strategy and, you know, how things are are, uh, coming along there. Well, coming along well overall, but a big setback, obviously, in 2021 with, with the crop. So very significant reduction in the crop last year because of the the uh, issues of both dry and hot weather. And so, but, but outside of that and, and some of the supply chain issues that may arise as a result of the pandemic, um, you know, those are short-term things, and, and, and we hope the crop bounces back in, in 2022. And, you know, once it does, there's very strong demand for canola uh, in almost every area. Vegetable oil demand just globally is up. Um, you know, the production of palm oil is slowing down, and it's, uh, it's the biggest oil uh, traded internationally, so so that helps canola, you know, kind of be filling that gap. Um, the biofuels and renewable fuels area is really growing in Canada and the United States, and so demand is very strong, I think, and very, very, uh, you know, will be ongoing for canola oil globally. So we're very optimistic about that. You know about the big investments that the processes are making in Western Canada um, in the years to come. So very, very, uh, very strong about uh, where we're going as an industry, but we, we did have a setback, obviously, in 2021, and we hope the, the crop returns, uh, you know, and looking carefully at the, at the weather coming into the spring of 2022. 
That was Canola Council of Canada President Jim Everson. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. In light of rising COVID-19 case numbers and new public health restrictions, Keystone Agricultural Producers will be holding its 38th annual meeting virtually on January 25th and 26th. The complete meeting agenda will be released next week. The banquet is also cancelled and tickets will be reimbursed in the coming days. The deadline to submit resolutions is today. Manitoba Beef Producers has some tips on how to deal with animal feeding during this cold snap. Vice President Melissa Atchison says last year's drought can complicate things. There are just some concerns about using novel feeds, and I know there's a lot of um, straw being fed and, and different, maybe perhaps green feeds, spilled canola crop perhaps. So there are some mineral things that we need to keep an eye on. The best insurance policy is to have your feed tested and then have, um, after it's analyzed, have it uh, put through a ration by a qualified professional. Adjacent adds water availability is critical, noting as soon as water consumption goes down, the animal's feed consumption goes down as well. And prices in the pulse market rallied in 2021, with pea and lentil yields dropping as a result of the drought. Chuck Penner, president of Leftfield Commodity Research, says yellow peas saw the biggest gains. Some of that demand is, isn't necessarily from offshore markets, from China, let's say. It's more from the U.S. where uh, and, and domestic in Canada, where some of these processing facilities have cropped up in the last year or so. And so that's helped uh, push yellow pea prices up to some very high levels. He notes the lentil market is still quite strong with the drop in the Canadian crop and the demand we've seen from India and Turkey. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, January 6th. I'm Corey Canute. Today, Glendalee Allen Vossler chats with the Executive Vice President of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association, Dennis Laycraft. Glendalee Allen Vossler caught up with Dennis Laycraft yesterday, the Executive Vice President of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. The two covered a number of topics. Dennis, I want to start by talking, of course, about that case of BSE that we saw in Alberta that was announced in December. Really what it does is it shows that our surveillance system is working as it should. Yeah, it does. I mean, to maintain the negligible status, you have to maintain adequate surveillance. And if countries around the world are performing adequate surveillance, it's almost inevitable. Almost anywhere in the world, you'll eventually find an atypical case that occur spontaneously, uh, the OIE very specifically indicates it's different. When you find an atypical case, it does not affect your status at all. And really, the countries should not impose any uh, any restrictions or suspensions. But we're still living with some previous rules where a few suspensions, usually very sh- for a short period of time, take place. Now, we did see South Korea suspending their quarantine inspections of Canadian beef. Explain that to us and what has happened with that? Yeah, we have a kind of a unique veterinary certificate with Korea that we're, we're actually we're in the process of recommending be changed now that we've got negligible risk status, but it came as a result of a negotiation following us taking him to the WTO. More information has been sent clarifying that it was an atypical case that information now has gone to the Food Safety Authority in 
in South Korea, our government will be following up with them. And you know, hopefully that matter should get resolved very, very quickly. But, you know, we'll be watching it very closely. And I know we're reaching out to, you know, literally each day to get an update on where it's at. Now, I want to switch topics and move south of the border to the U.S. And when we talk about the U.S. and what's happening down there, a, a lot of concern over MCOOL. You know, we've seen very strong statements, including you know, this past week from the Secretary of Agriculture, that whatever they're going to do is going to be WTO compliant. And, of course, we won the WTO case. We still have the right to retaliate if they did bring back mandatory a country of origin labeling in a way that discriminates against our live cattle and hog exports. But at this stage, we're still continuing to hear quite clearly from the administration that they are going to, if it, whatever they do is going to comply with the WTO. So it's one of those things that's you know going to raise its ugly head from time to time, but we're working with our allies to try and remain uh, on top of it and head it off at every uh, pass. Something that happened this week that was interesting is that the U.S. announced new rules and $1 billion U.S. in funding this year to support independent meat processors and ranchers as part of a plan to address a lack of meaningful competition in the meat sector, citing an analysis that they did that found that the top four meat packing companies, Cargill, Tyson, JBS, and National Beef Packing, control between 55 and 85 percent of the market in the hog, cattle, and chicken sectors. Now, give us your thoughts on this, what this means, and talk to us a little bit about what's happening here in Canada as far as meaningful competition in the meat sector here. You know, there's kind of four parts what they announced yesterday. That You know, the first part is to try and encourage more uh, medium and small-scale processing uh, throughout the United States, that that is one piece. And there's a much stronger enforcement commitment to to take a look at uh, if there is uh, any practices that might uh, fall out under their Packers and Stockyards Act as, as not as being anti-competitive, basically. So you know, I think there's people are. It's going to be wait and see how that actually moves forward. I mean, encouraging more more plant capacity is always a good thing. You know, I think the other side, what we're hearing south of the border is labor remains a remains a big problem down there, and it's been a challenge up well. So it's kind of hard to increase the existing capacity when you're when you're short of of workers. So I don't think there's one silver bullet or one solution around this but whatever increases competition in the u.s is also good for for canada we're actually more concentrated we only have two of the big four you're talking about um in canada but because we have the um the canada u.s mexico agreement you know we have the other plants always bidding regularly um on our our cattle when they're up for sale so it's more of an integrated north american market and Again, whatever solutions are there, you know, we're not going to see our market operate independently of of the U.S. Such as the nature of integration. So, you know, we continue to look at, you know, what can we do to make our processing industry uh, at all scales more competitive. 
up here address any of the cross-border issues that affect our ability to move cattle south. And, you know, at every particular part of this, looking at how do we create the best conditions for competition um, in in our industry, and that includes in the processing industry as well. So we're watching it very closely and seeing what we can learn from it. Overall, final thoughts, key comments that you would like to leave with producers today? I think on the positive side, we continue to see remarkable demand for our product. And, you know, hopefully uh, our biggest challenge this past year has been drought. And, you know, we all look forward to next spring and hopefully we'll see improved weather conditions. But, you know, as we move forward, knowing that there is a strong market for our, our product, I think, is one of the foundations that is always absolutely critical for an industry to move forward. So, I've been talking with Dennis Laycraft. Dennis is the Executive Vice President of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. For Golden Last, I'm Glendalee Allen-Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Egg Wire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Keystone Agricultural Producers will hold its AGM virtually January 25th and 26th. Go to their website to register. Manitoba Agriculture is offering environmental farm plan workshops over the winter. These will take place online. Visit the Manitoba Agriculture website to register. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, I chatted with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, food professor at Dalhousie University, about some of the top food-related stories of 2021. Coming in at number eight was the, uh, was the retail code of conduct. Uh, just t- touch a bit on that. Yeah, this is something that uh, I was not expecting in my lifetime, but it is happening. We are considering implementing a code of conduct to make sure that there is some supply chain discipline, giving a chance to our farmers and vendors to uh, predict market conditions, essentially. Uh, There was a lot of of, uh, supply chain bullying going on over the last uh, five years, six years or so, and so I, we were very pleased to see both the federal government and some provinces getting involved in the discussion about a code of conduct, similar to what we are seeing right now in the UK and Australia. Number six here was concerning uh, turkeys. I know it's something we talked about in, in, the, in the newsroom here. You know, are we running out of turkeys? Or? Did, you, did you run out of turkey? <laughs> There's plenty of turkeys. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, we have supply management in Canada. So by saying that we're running out of turkeys... Uh, would point to a total misunderstanding of how our systems actually work. Uh, if there is something that we should be should, we should be grateful about when it comes to supply management is that we produce what we need. Unless there's a a a, a huge catastrophe, uh, a a uh, an avian flu or something, uh, we're we're going to be fine. Uh, of course, prices have gone up. Of course, because farmers have to feed birds and it's costing more. But generally speaking. Uh, there was there were a lot of stories uh, that were kind of weird in 2021, including uh, maple syrup. Uh, we're not going to run out of maple syrup. Uh, if, if if you're concerned about maple syrup, you shouldn't. Number five on the list here. I know we talked about this. The uh, Canadian Dairy Commission's record recommendation. That's a big one. It's going to impact all Canadians, I guess, as of February 1st. Uh, this uh, recommendation of 8.4 percent, which is almost double. 
uh, what the previous record was. And so Canadians will have to cope with that uh, at the, in the dairy section. So we are expecting major increases uh, in that part of, of the grocery store, unfortunately. And number four here, something that's been in the news lately, um, PEI potatoes and, and uh, just the issue there. Yeah, again, uh, 2021 was another year uh, during which we saw uh, science taking a back seat to trade politics, unfortunately. And, and the PEI potato situation is certainly one classic uh, case. Uh, and uh, I was, we were happy to see uh, Ottawa uh, provide a, a $28 million package to uh, potato farmers in PEI. But uh, to be honest, we saw that as, as more as an apology than anything else. Top food story of last year, you know, no surprise, uh, food inflation. Yeah, food inflation, I think we've been talking about this for several months now. Uh, of course, on, in December, we released Canada's food price report. That was a combination of, uh, of several months of discussion related to food inflation. Uh, yeah, a lot of Canadians are, are noticing that prices are going up, and, and that's why we chatted a lot about it. That was Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, a food professor at Dalhousie University. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The lower crop yield in the Canadian crop last year generally resulted in stronger prices for pulses. Chuck Penner, president of Leftfield Commodity Research, says we saw strong demand for lentils from India and Turkey. Yellow peas saw the biggest gains. There are a few warning signals about uh, lentil demand uh, from India and some of the economic uh, crisis that's going on in Turkey uh, isn't helpful for uh, for lentil demand. So, so there are a few. Uh, I don't even know if I call them clouds, but uh, it's not quite as bright and sunny on the demand side for for lentils. Looking ahead, the next number of months. He notes the Durham and wheat markets have shown a lot of strength with the Canadian and American crops both being hit quite severely with the drought. And the cold weather can create feed challenges for livestock producers. Melissa Atchison is vice president of Manitoba Beef Producers. Certainly in colder temperatures, cows are subjected to much higher energy needs. So anything below the their comfort zone, which in, in Beef cows here is about minus 15 to minus 20. For every drop in 5 degrees Celsius below minus 20, they need a pound of grain is a good rule of thumb or some type of energy supplementation. Last year's drought can also complicate things. Atchison recommends getting feed tested and have it put through a ration by a qualified professional. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll hear from CAP President Bill Campbell about the group's budget submissions. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.